Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jamar. Today's episode 205 and we're going to be interviewing Jules. How are you doing today, Jules? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Very good indeed. Thank you for having me. So you're uh, joining us from vacation on the French Alps. I am indeed. I had a beautiful day skiing, although it was minus 17 at the top. So it was like, super minus 17? chilly. <laughs> wow, that's that's cold. So let's get started here. Let's dive in like we do on every podcast. We start off by asking you, tell me about your childhood growing up. Certainly, yeah. My my childhood growing up is is fairly unremarkable, to be honest, in the sense I was brought up in a Christian home. Uh, Mum and dad around. Family holidays were probably a bit of a highlight. I was one of four, though, which meant I didn't get a huge amount of time to spend uh, with with my parents, which in hindsight, I think that might have caused some challenges. Um, because I, that's one of the things I, I've struggled with in latter years is actually just having that sense of, um, yeah, having time with somebody and as, especially with my my individual parents as well. So went to that. I went to I went to a private school, which really frustrated me. I couldn't get my head around the whole idea of private school because you know you pay your taxes, which means it, well, certainly in the UK, I should say in the UK you pay your taxes, and that means you get free schooling. Um, and they, and then my parents were money whatsoever to then send me to school and I really hated school so I hate that I was having actually have my pay for me to do something that I absolutely hated um so so that was I, did, I never quite got my head around why that was a was a massive issue for me but it was always a big issue for me um and then went to university um did uh, trained as an accountant as uh, with one of the one of the big four in, in the UK, but apart from that, nothing really of that much significance. Sorry, I muted myself. Going back just a little bit to when you were a child, did you see any signs or any type of activities that you would later on in life go, "Oh, look, that that should have been a sign that I was leading off at the bad things." I think, yeah. I mean, I I got. Um, I got visibility of uh, pornography at a very, very young age. It was just on a camping trip, fairly innocuous. So that's your that's your main addiction is pornography. Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like probably a, a number of people that have struggled with addictions, it, that's the, you have, have like a main addiction, and there's other little ones kind of that yeah. that kind of hover around the edges. But that that's the one that causes the biggest, or used to cause certainly the biggest. Uh, amount, amount of frustrations and so I was on a camping trip probably 11 or 12 years old and somebody had obviously bought a magazine and, and, and started showing it to me and it was almost like a light bulb moment it was like a whoa it was almost like a kid in a sweet shop and I think that 
almost triggered something at that stage of, oh, I could get pleasure from this. I'm not getting attention from over here, the normal sources of kind of uh, parents, siblings, friends and so forth. But in this warped way, I could get attention over here by looking at these things. And to, so that was certainly a trigger point. And then that with that kind of spiraled and spiraled and spiraled in the original days of, uh, I'm sure my age here, reach up to the newspaper, slip the magazine in uh, and store. And then it was, then it was DVDs. Internet was probably one of the, it's, in many senses, it's one of the best things that could have happened. But for me personally, for many years, it was one of the worst things that could happen. to access it, wander off down to the store, or I'd have to go and find, make sure nobody was around. Where literally, duh, 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 straight as much content as you wanted. So, how old were you when the internet first happened? The so I think the internet properly, I would have been 22, 23. So I'm 48 now. Um, so it'd have been yeah, about 22. And up in those days. So, you know, you'd press a button and the button turn up. And you press a button again. And for a video to download, it would take forever and a day. Um, and of course, it, now, it, now it's even worse because, you know, one, what, one click and you, know, you, you can get pretty much anything, anything you want. Um, and there's no download speeds as well, which is challenging. But yeah, I was probably about 22 when the internet kicked. That made it uh, much more much more difficult, actually. Yeah, I mean, with the internet, you can get, especially when it comes to pornography, it's at the touch of a button all day, all night. And, and that's pretty much what it was, um, in, in the sense that I was working with a firm of accountants at the time. So, of course, you got given a laptop. You got free access to the internet, and so suddenly I had everything I could ever need right in, right in front of me. But what it wasn't doing was encouraging me to build relationships. And I think, actually, just as I'm talking now, because I often find when I share my story, I, I learn things as 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 I'm talking. Was actually, I, I've often struggled with friendships; they feel like hard work some of the time. And I, and I can now see that sometimes because, of course, the internet is quite easy. Literally, bang, and, and you've got – there's no hard work. And when you're finished, you just close it down, and it's all good. Whereas more effort. Um, um, and actually, came to a head, actually, in about 2006. So I'd actually moved, moved firms. I was working for a telecommunications firm. And uh, and this will this will kind of show the the insanity of of addiction was um, we'd had a couple of people in our team were in the process of being sacked for looking at up uh, and in fact the I got I to sack somebody for looking at pornography. Um, and what do you do for work? Guess what? Sorry. Uh, I said, what do you do for work? You're talking about getting fired. When you say get sacked, that means you get fired, right? So I think the internet might have cut out. I didn't quite hear your yeah, question. Yeah, the internet's cutting in and out a little bit. I was saying when you get, say get sacked, that means get fired, right? Oh, sorry. 
No, I'm just making sure I yes, got it so correctly. And um, <laughs> yeah, so you you were firing people for the same things you were doing. Yes, and and I think that that that's almost that sense of insanity about addiction, is that on one hand we can have one life, uh, and there's there's almost three lives. I think there was one life which is I I was a you know I was a Christian at this point now I was married. I think we had our first child. On the face of it, I was seen as the model citizen. I was, you know, married, probably two two children, big former accounting firm, uh, a job that was paying well, good prospects. And yet underneath, I was spending every waking hour looking at stuff that I shouldn't be looking at. And then almost like the third persona was then I was telling people off, but doing exactly the same thing that I was doing, which again just, just shows that level of it, a level of insanity. So I was ca- called into my boss's office and asked, "Do you recognise this as a search string?" And I just said, "Oh, oh no," which was, you know, I should have, I should have owned up straight away because he said, "Ah, oh, these are what these three letters mean. Now, does that help you understand what that means?" And suddenly I was like, "Oh no." Oh, my kind of whole world came crashing in because for me, certainly at that time, work meant a lot to me. That probably was the main thing. That was probably who I defined myself by. So the thought of being uh, sacked or fired was was just horrendous. Um, And so uh, my conversations, search history, I then had to go and have a conversation with my boss's boss, who is the the, the CF in the UK. Uh, and that was an even more, because it was a female boss. And therefore, to explain, this is what I've been looking at. And I, I, I cannot tell you the level of shame I felt to have to go, yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry. I am just so sorry. It was wrong. I, I won't do it again. I'll go on a course. I'll do whatever it takes. Please, please, please don't don't take this job away from me because it was what I had. That was almost what I was clinging on to at the time. So very this has probably went over a span of probably two to three months where they were debating, do we do we do, do we fire or sack him? Do we not? Um, and And then. I, I at the time realised I, I thought I probably was going to get sacked, so therefore I or fired. So therefore I had to uh, own up to my wife, who knew nothing about this whatsoever. Uh, timing's not always been one of my strong points. So you can picture the event. So we were at a friend's wedding. Uh, we went back to the room to we had to go and get get something for some reason. And I said, "Oh, Bix, uh, I need to tell you something." She said, "Oh, what's that? What's that? You know, what does he want to tell me about?" But um, I think. I think I might be about to get fired. And then I had, and it all came unraveling out. And of course the timing was horrendous. We were trying to celebrate and what have you. But I just, I think it was just so consuming my every single waking hour. I, I just had had to get it out. So at least I could share it to let her know what was going on. Now, the, for, very, very fortunately, after huge amounts of apologies, lots of apology emails, they didn't fire me, um, and I am so incent- really blessed that the fact they 
didn't do that. But what it did do is make me start my recovery journey, um, which if it's OK with you, I'll just carry on a little bit more. Just just share my recovery journey, if that's all right. No, that's what we're looking to hear. I'm looking to hear the whole story. You got plenty of time. You have plenty of time to tell your story. But um, going Perfect. back just a little bit. So your first time ever getting exposed to a campsite, when did you when was the first time you said to yourself that you have an issue? Like, did, when was the first time that you recognized that, OK, this is a problem? I think it was probably when I was boss's office in the boss's because office. I, I, yeah, because I think like so many uh, people struggling with addiction. Yeah, I'm fine. I can stop. You know, don't worry. I, I just just won't look again. Um, and I naively just assumed that I could just stop. And you know, I naively assumed when I would have a girlfriend disappear. I assumed when I got married, it would disappear. But it would always start creeping back in again. And it was almost like it was almost like the third part, the third part of relationship. There was myself. There was my wife, and then there was that I would spend a lot of time looking at. And you know, I'll, you know, there'll be there'll be bouts of heavy usage. Then I perhaps have a, a couple of months away. And and I was, I, th I think part of that was why I thought there wasn't a problem. Fine, I, I can I can cope for a month, and it's it's and it's okay. But then of course it would come back, and it would. Um, and so, yeah, so that, 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 that very first when I was in my boss's office that I thought, ah, do something. I need to do something because it's now impacting my family. It's impacting my career. Yeah. It's a shame what addiction does to us. It makes us do risky behaviors. I mean, because those are risky behaviors. You're risking your marriage your girlfriend whoever is at the time you're risking your job it is and I, if, if there's i don't know if there, if this thing i could if i could speak to my younger self it would be something that's causing you to use on a regular basis and, and you know i might be talking about porn but it could be it could be anything what i've since realized is actually the the substance that 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 we use is almost irrelevant because it's the underlying or the frustration, the hurt, the 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 lack of love or the lack of what there's something missing that tends to make us self soothe. And so, in reality, for me, it might be porn, but for others, it could be all sorts of different things. Um, and yet, some are seen as uh, easier to relate to uh, porn. I personally find quite challenging because it's it's a difficult one. Um, but then, but then that's because that's for me. My guess is actually if you talk to somebody, drugs or food or gambling or, or or social media or whatever it might, I guess we all probably find the one that we struggle with most, the most shameful. If we let ourselves do those things because you do you kind of look back and go what in <laughs> on earth would i do that e e even just from the simplicity of a even the countless hours weekends days lost due to just looking at stuff that wasn't wasn't going to help me in any way shape or form
Yeah, I mean, so so what would what actually happens mental wise that makes you actually look at this stuff at work? Do you have like an overwhelming sense of arousal or something happens where you feel the need to look at it? Like obviously for like to give you an example, what I mean for me, I would get anxiety. And that's what made me want to use my drugs and alcohol. Like the anxiety would build up and that would be what the reason I use. What would be the reason that you used? I think it's probably the biggest thing is probably just that lack of self-worth. So if using kind of AA terminology, halt, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, or actually I think it's a halt because actually whether we're super happy or we're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, I think with all of those ones, they, they can naturally put us in or me or us in a naturally kind of uh, concerning state. But for me, it's, it's that sense of who am I? What's the point? What's the point in life? What's the point in what I'm doing? Why am I here? When I, when I start allowing my mind to kind of go on that spiral of I'm just useless. I'm just so stupid. Nobody likes me. Nobody wants me. All it's those kind of things that would tend to put me on what what I call the doom loop of I feel really bad, so I use to make me feel better. But then as soon as I've used, I feel really bad. So what do I do when I feel really bad? Well, I use again. So you kind of go round and round and round and round and kind of go down that doom loop. And something needs to shock us to start going back up the spiral and start going, okay, I'm not going to use, I'm actually going to put things in place. And some of them might be white knuckling for a period of time. Whilst in the meantime, I, I, so for me, for example, I had to attend, I attended the recovery course at Holy Trinity Brompton, which is a, a church uh, in the UK that, that started this thing called the recovery course. Um, and that for me was really, really helpful because it, it was that shock of, okay, I'm going to a recovery course, recovery course. That's for like, ooh, that's for like weird, weird addict type people. And I was like, yeah, that's me. And that in itself, walking through that door on the first night, but I'm normal. Well, I don't, I don't need to go to this stuff. Only weird people go to that kind of stuff. And that was a real eye-opener walking through that first evening. And I opened on a number of ways. And I don't know of, um, what, 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 you know, I, I don't need this. I'm fine. I can cope without. And I am not of, oh, wow. There's some, what I would class normal people here, people that I can relate to and I can listen to, but also, and take them the right way, some people who probably had it worse than me. And it's like, oof. Man, I'm glad it didn't get as bad as that. Oof, if that's how far it could go, I need to put some blocks in place now so that I don't end up go I don't end up going down that route. So so that for me was a really that first evening was really, really difficult, but really enlightening. Um and so I I I, I believe I, I was able to get set free from that addiction. Whilst I was at the recovery course, you know, the recovery course, uh, the, like like often, like the AA and very very talked about a higher power. For me at the time, uh, my higher power was Jesus. Uh, but to, to some degree, there's an element of think realizing there's something more than just me was again quite an eye opener, because I think up until that point, I'd always been. It's all about me. It's all about Jules. So therefore, as long as Jules is happy and Jules is doing this, then actually life is good. 
and suddenly I had to realise that actually perhaps when Jules is in full control, driving the car to use the idea of the steering wheel, it's not always getting us to a great destination. So that was a, it's, it's based on the 12 steps uh, and it was, it was actually over 15 weeks. So I went through the, that course uh, as, as is typical. Uh, there was homework and I was like, yeah, whatever, come on, I'm running out. That's for kids. Um, but it didn't really click for me. And then I went through the course a second time round and I started doing the homework. I was doing it in London. I was living uh, out in Kent at the time. So I used to use the train journey back home to 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 do some of the work. And the homework really was just about some almost like activation questions to make us realize, okay, so we've got lots of stuff going in here. How do I help kind of go down to here and really start understanding what 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 was it about me that was causing me to self-soothe in the first place so the second time around i started doing the homework the second time around i really that that's when i believe i really started making some real significant inroads and that's why i think i was able to actually put put the the, the main addiction to so to speak completely at bay now that that doesn't mean that i i don't get tempted because i still get tempted and that was you know this is probably 10 15 years on i still get tempted um but I've got enough blocks in place now so that when a temptation comes through, and I'll, I'll cover that a little bit a little bit later on, because I, I think for me, that was the bit that I kind of got, I, I sensed that I got free from addiction, and that would be back in probably 2007, 2008. But then a, then a life event happened in 2016, and I ended up going back to the same old habits again, which made me realise, okay, I haven't quite got this sorted um and that life event was that my daughter got diagnosed with autism and i didn't realize it at the time but i think that the family i come from it's almost like we think we're in a perfect place i we you know how could something uh, you know i remember my parents when i told them i was struggling with with an addiction you could see they were like oh well, how, how how could that be the case? How could that possibly be the case? You're you're one of us. And there was that sense of how could that possibly happen to to you? And I think it was almost like the same thing happening, totally different scenario, but with my daughter was, well, that but that means there's she's different. And of course, what I've now learned is that actually autism just means they have a different type of brilliance. We, you know, we all we all have nuggets of brilliance within us. Autism has a different nugget of brilliance in it, and sometimes it takes different ways to kind of you know peel back the layers of that brilliance, and it takes time and effort, but the brilliance is still there. But of course, at the time, I I wasn't in that space, and I and I let it spiral, and I ended up using again. And at the time, I was actually leading recovery courses. I was doing some of the talks. So I had to step back from that for, for obvious reasons. I just, you know, it wasn't right that I was in a, in a, in a bad place whilst actually um, leading recovery courses as well. And, and, and so around about the mid, probably October in 2016 was what I would say is probably my darkest hour, which is it was about a three month period where every time I'd be driving down the road, I would be, thinking okay so if i just went like that i could just end it how yeah. far and i would calculate i would be calculating how fast do i need to go because i don't want i don't want to be maimed or injured i want to be dead 
and I would be driving and I'd be going, sometimes even with my family in the car, and I'd be thinking, okay, how far do I need to be doing 55 or 60 and the kinds of roads? And then the flip side is when I was skiing, I was thinking, you know, how 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 fast would I have to go off a cliff to be able to to end it? And you know, even now, because I'm in a I'm in a totally totally different space now, and I I, I I'm out in a, a ski resort at the moment. It's the bit that I think got me is when our head is in that mi- mindset, it's really difficult to shift it uh, because that's all all I could see. I couldn't see almost beyond the end of my nose. All I could see was my daughter's got autism. My marriage doesn't go wonderfully well. Uh, my, jo- my job was doing OK, but I- I- I'm back looking at porn again. What is the point of life? What, what, why bother with this? I'm too, and again, it was probably coming back to that whole sense of my self-loathing. I'm useless. I can't. I can't even bring up a daughter that's normal. And 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 the reason I say that is because I now realise that autism is no less normal because we all have our challenges and our things that we do differently. And so I now realise that autism is is just as normal as anyone else. But of course, at the time, I, I could not get around that, and I couldn't get my head around using again. Um, so I very, very bad place. And then I was, uh, I went out for a drink. Oh, well, I was up at my parents' house, and I went out for a drink with my with my wife. And she, I don't normally talk about things like this to my cost. To be fair, uh, a separate plug here. If ever you get the opportunity to be transparent and vulnerable with your partner please do it because that's one of the things I'm having to learn to do and it's hard work having spent probably 46 years not being vulnerable so I opened up and of course she completely lost it and was like well what, what do you mean you you really want to kill yourself why, why do you want to do that and it was it was a very very difficult conversation she found it understandably very difficult she asked me to go back and do the recovery course again uh, but also to reach out to a very good friend of mine who I was doing the recovery course with, actually, a, a, a lovely chap called Justin Reese larkham um, who was at the time running, is the CEO of the recovery course. And we, we met for dinner. I think this is where having the right people in our lives can make a massive difference. So I, I just met him for dinner, expected nothing of it. Um, and because I didn't want to feel like I was a burden, I was I already planned I was going to pay for him because then then he doesn't feel like he's you know he's having to help me. And again, this shows the kind of warped mentality that that I had of just lack of self worth. So we went to dinner, and he he just said one really really simple thing. He just said, "Jules, will you will you read one Bible verse a day?" And at this point, I was. I was somewhere away from uh, the church or, or or my higher power at the, at the time. And I was like, oh, come on, what's one verse going to do? Anyway, I started reading one verse and it started a, a chain reaction. And it's actually very poignant that I'm in, in the, this apartment. The reason I say that is the chain reaction was I, as I started reading a bit of the words, a bit of time with my higher power, Jesus, it was almost like the, the the kind of the blinkers started coming off my eyes, and I started dreaming about things that perhaps I hadn't dreamt about for years. Because I think it's difficult to dream if we're kind of hemmed in by our addiction, because that stuff gets on top of us. It plays with our mind. It spends too much time focusing on our mind. 
So I start. I started remembering that ever since probably about the age of ten, I had wanted to have a a ski apartment, and so I suddenly started thinking about it. Now the beauty of a dream is that when you have a dream, you spend your life and your every waking moment thinking about it. So I was like, "Whoa, oh, these are quite expensive." And where would I go? Do I want which, which you know, which which mountain? How do I want? Do I want a busy resort, quiet resort? Oh, I need to get a mortgage. Oh, how many years do a mortgage? And it was almost like I, I remember starting to looking at mortgages, and there was the the deal was like a fifteen year mortgage at the time. I was like, 15 years. That that means I've got to live for 15 years, and that was almost like a real turning point for me because I suddenly realised, okay, I've got to make a decision because if I'm, I can't put myself in, into this dream of having an apartment if I'm not prepared to 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 take it through completion and and pay off the mortgage because I, I I wouldn't want to leave it um, with with huge debts if if I if I was to pass so. That was a real turning point. And the other thing I found what, what that was really helpful about focusing on a dream was that, of course, if I'm researching mortgages, what am I not doing? Well, I'm not looking at stuff on the internet that I shouldn't be looking at. If I'm researching ski resorts, I'm looking at those things as opposed to looking at pornography. And so what I realized is naturally my focus became on my feel that dream rather than doing things that were taking me in the wrong direction because of course every time I, if if I, I if I even when the thought of looking at some pornography I'll be there well hold on a minute I know I I I don't want to do that I I I'm absolutely focused on I want to have this I want to have this ski apartment and then as with life one of the things I've found Jim is that when when we put things out into the universe, and this is think, something I'm I'm still trying to work on today, work on now, is it the law of attraction? Is it a higher power? Is it Jesus? It, it, that, that something tends to happen when, when we start speaking things out, things start happening. So I, I suddenly started finding bits of information about ski resorts and that started cropping up. I also noticed, for example, that actually uh, then the other big thing probably was a real turning point. My uncle passed away and I thought I'd probably get a couple of hundred quid. But actually, he left me quite a few thousands and that enabled me to put the deposit down. So suddenly it's like, well, I've got no excuse now. I, I, I could do this. The reason I say this and the reason I wanted to talk about it briefly is because I, I struggled with having a dream that was materialistic. So as, as a Christian, I was thinking, ooh, that's, you know, again, old teaching that I'd had when I was growing up, materialism, bad. Uh, you know, it should all be about sacrifice and that stuff. But actually what I now see is that dream in and of itself was what I needed to, to keep me alive, to keep me above ground effectively. But what it then meant was I could then start going back involved in the recovery course. As I started researching more on the recovery course, we actually started a new, char a new charity called Star Recovery, called Steps to Active Recovery Star, and we created a, a new life course. 
And part of that, we said we wanted to split it based on uh, mind, body and spirit. So I was asked to look at the mind section. And as I started researching the mind, it, it was almost like, you know, I said right at the beginning when I saw that picture uh, of, of, of some pornography and it comes lit, it was a light bulb moment. Starting to research the mind was probably quite similar. There was absolutely a light bulb moment of, wow understand why I got I gotta get hold of this thing called my mind and so I ended up creating the mind course I then actually then again this it's amazing how dreams then kind of develop and develop and develop I then actually created the the 28 day research challenge which is again focused on how do we use our mind to help us recover because one, one of the things I touched on briefly Jim was around you know what, what how do we stop those relapses and for me the biggest thing is what I call kind of the, the three second rule which which and I, and I I use it to this day uh, even today I, I I've used the three second rule and what what is it well it's it, it's a it's as simple as when a thought comes into our mind now for, for me that might be a thought of I was skiing down, skiing down a track and I see a particularly attractive, attractive individual and I have a choice. I can either go Whoa, and follow it. Or I can go, oh, stop that. Stop that. I know where that's going to lead. I don't want to go that way. So I'm just going to stop it. And so for me, I, 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 I look at it and go, well, I have literally three, two, one change. That means I either need to ski off in a different direction, make a cup of coffee, go for a walk, do something that completely changes the environment. As I said, I, I use this multiple times a day, um, but simply because we, you know temptation isn't in of on of itself bad, but we all get tempted. So therefore, what do we do with those temptations? Uh, for, for me, it's a three second rule. And you know, for, for those of you that perhaps have a faith, um, it's even based on scripture as well. Two Corinthians uh, 10, 10, 5 talks about take captive every thought, um, and that for me. Uh, it is my 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 go to verse because I, I know that's what's going to keep me in a in a safe place by knowing that when when those thoughts do come in and they still come in with much less regularity, but they still come in. But I've got a toolkit in place. The other thing when we were just talking before Jim was around, you know, for example, I'm here by myself for the week. So I have I have my iPad, but it's locked down. Um, and in fact, that, you know, so, so therefore I, I, I can't access anything, even if I wanted to, because, you know, the, the addiction voices, I tend to call it, has this kind of habit of kind of tapping you on the shoulder and going, oh, Jules, why, why don't you have a look at this? Or, or, or Mr. or Mrs. Google flashes an image up at, at us that makes us think, oh, ooh, that sounds interesting. And so I have so I, I've learned the hard way that I have to have things in place that can really help me. To, to to keep those temptations at bay and not let them put me in that doom cycle. Because once I get in that doom loop of, oh, I'm feeling really bad, so I'm going to use, therefore I even feel even more bad, so I'm going to use some more. So for me, three-second rule is, 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 has been tremendous. And as the other ones are really just around having that sense of, having that sense of purpose. Um, and say the, the the moment that the latest one, my latest dream is to say this 28 day research challenge, which is just I just I just love it. It's it's an opportunity for people to get a little bit closer to recovery. And, and perhaps for, for people that perhaps were in that place that I was in right from the start of, oh, I'm not sure I want to go to a recovery course. 
or uh, an AA type fellowship because I, I don't know I don't know how that means I have to tell people. Um, and so it was it was it, again. It's I think that's why you know we we have this thing burst in each of us because I believe we all have a passion and a purpose, and therefore I think this is this is starting to be burst out for, from my perspective, trying to help people that perhaps aren't yet at the place of feeling confident to access resources to help them with their addiction that they can do super simply in, in, in their own home. That's great. It's very important, like you said, have mechanisms in place that should you find yourself leaning towards the screwing up, put that mechanism in place and it really helps you focus. I like the three second rule. That sounds good. This takes your brain off of that negative thought for those few seconds. It is very unfortunately. Mm. <laughs> this this like you laugh. So I came up with the three second rule about probably was it ten twelve years ago, probably a bit bit more actually. And then um, post probably twenty eighteen, I, I started typing in the three second rule. Actually, if if you're struggling with pornography, don't type that in the internet. There's very weird things. Um, mm. But equally, then I found Mel Robbins' five second rule. And I was like, oh, you've stolen my idea, but you've said five seconds, not three seconds. In essence, if if you want more detail behind the equivalent of the three second rule, go and read the book called The Five Second Rule. It's, it's, it's all about the same principles. It's about it's about trying to do something to shock ourselves of stop. If, if, if I let this thought fester and manifest, will it lead it to a good place or a bad place? Because we could use them in both ways, you know, in the sense that we, we often can think about thoughts being negative, but thoughts can also be very positive. We can have thoughts about our dream or our purpose. And actually for those ones, it's important that we go, hold on, this is a really good thought. Let me make a note of that one. I don't want to forget that. I want to be able to think about it so I can kind of birth that and and, and bring it to life. So, yeah, for, for me, that, that three second rule is, is, is critical, along with having that sense of, what is it we were created for? And that's, again, that's that's one of the things I try to draw out in the 28 Day Reset Challenge is just that some tools and techniques of how I've managed to find a bit of my purpose because I just, you know, I know there's 8 billion people on the planet now because I think, I think we just topped 8 billion, didn't we, the, the, a couple of weeks ago. But there's nobody... You've got two people on the on this podcast now. You've got Jim. There's nobody like Jim. Jim is absolutely unique, but equally Jules is absolutely unique. So are you unique? And therefore, we each have our story, but we each have our purpose. And therefore, I think almost what what I've started making more of my life's work is how 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 can I help people kind of unearth and birth that purpose? Because I think if we if if I can help people find their purpose. We have a choice. Do I use, which takes me down one route, or do I not? My purpose It's that whole kind of plain pain versus pleasure. And in reality, we know that a using is going to take us down to the pain cycle. But if we've got an exciting dream, no matter how small it could be, and like with mine, it was very materialistic. Um, and some, no doubt, some people on this podcast will be going, you shouldn't have a materialistic dream. And for me, it kept me above ground, so <laughs> it worked. And I would say, if you've got a dream that you sense in your in in your in yourself, your spirit, start teasing it out and start looking at every time I'm thinking, should I use? Will it take me to a good place, or will it not take me to a good place? And that's kind of it's all it's all I guess kind of linked in with the whole three second rule piece as well. How long have you been sober now? Uh it's about three or four years now. 
in terms okay. of, in terms of the does the pornography. Yeah, that's great. It's a long time. It is. I say, well, I mean, it's probably longer. So it was ever since. So twenty seventeen, I relapsed. Well, twenty sixteen, I relapsed, and then it's probably about a year after then um, that that I was able to just completely say, right, that's it. But again, it, it, I had to put things in place. I had to get the purpose sorted out. I had to get my mind sorted out. The, the other thing, I you know, with, with with the mind, I think uh, was it. I was reading the other day. There's it, all of us have between two and three and a half thousand thoughts every single hour of the day and every thought ends in an outcome we either do something or we don't do something and a lot of the time we naturally do things because of our subconscious so for example jim do you remember actually doing your teeth this morning my no. guess is you probably don't because <clears throat> you just kind of you just naturally get up <laughs> similar to if you drive to work sometimes we've all driven to work on how did i get here I know I kind of got in the car, but you just subconsciously do that. Our subconscious is naturally feel bad, use a substance. That's naturally what we do. So we've got to rewire the brain so that the subconscious starts helping us as opposed to hindering us. That's one of the things that one of the things that I love talking about is, you know, we, we have a choice with our mind. We can have our mind as our best friend or it can be our absolute worst enemy. And you know, so many times people will say, "Well, you know, it's um, it's it's the way I am. That's the reason I drink, or I'm I'm going to wait for God to fix me, or I'm it's because of what happened in the past." And yes, there's lots of things that can cause us to need to self-soothe, but we're the ones that pick up the glass, look at something on the internet, or put stuff in us that we know we shouldn't be putting in us. And there's an element of we've got to start being accountable for our own selves as well. And again, that was a real journey for me. It was actually a, a part of the journey I learned through my corporate life. So I'm a high performance culture champion uh, and I teach uh, things like things like the accountability ladder, which is very much around. Uh, people will often say when something you, you, there's two types of people in life. There's the ones that go, oh, Everything bad happens to me. It's awful. It's a disaster. Oh, my plane was late or whatever. Or there's the people that tend to be more accountable and therefore they look at the situations. It's almost like having a completely different set of glasses on. And therefore, for me, I, I, I've really had to start taking off those victim glasses of, well, yes, yeah, so I didn't like some of the things that happened in my childhood. Not, nothing particular, but it just that I didn't feel loved now i have a choice with that i can sit there with my big baggage on and go oh don't know my parents or i can go okay they can't do anything about it because the time has passed it's you know 30 odd years since then i've got a choice do i keep carrying this bag around with me all day long or do i go do you know what i'm just gonna i'm just gonna get rid of it i'm gonna i'm gonna forgive them because it's it's not helping me. It's not serving me to get to my purpose, to get to my to my dream. So that's the one of the things I re really helped me about just looking at am, am I taking control more of my life? And it, it's again this this is where sometimes the um, without going too much off beat, sometimes the the language in recovery talks about giving giving all of our control over to our higher power. And I struggle with that a little bit because 
yes, we absolutely need to accept there's something outside of just us. But I'm the one that decides to I'm the one that decides to have a glass of water. I'm the one that's I, I made that decision to have that glass of water. I guarantee it is, it is definitely water, but equally it, it could have been something else. And I, it could be, I could be one that's saying, I'm going to use that, drink some, some alcohol or, or whatever. But there's an element of, I, I have to start taking control for my life and how I look at things because everyone, every single person, all 8 billion people on this planet have had stuff happen to them. Absolutely. It's, some is deemed as worse, some is deemed as less, but everyone has had stuff that happens to them. And yet, if you look at the, look at the people that are super successful, they've often had the worst things happen to them, but they've used that to power them forwards as opposed to hold them back. And so part of that whole sense of that accountability piece is really starting to say, okay, I've got a choice. I didn't like what happened, but I'm going to, I'm going to, push it aside and I'm going to not let that hold me back. I'm going to make sure actually, so for example, I, I ne I've never felt I had somebody championing my cause, whether it be my parents, whether it be nothing. I never, I, I never had anyone championing my cause. What do I love about the reset challenge? I love when people are writing comments and I can interact with them again. Great job. High five. You're doing brilliantly. You're amazing. I love that. It sounds like you're really unearthing your dream. It sounds like you're, you're brilliant. Go for it because I never had that. And so I want to be able to, so I have a choice. I can either go, oh, it's all bad. And I'm going to let myself get down. Or I can go, actually, I'm not going to let this hold me down. In fact, could I use what I've had in the past to help me make other people's lives that little bit better? Because my guess is there's a lot of people out there that probably don't feel empowered or loved or cherished or supported. And if I can help them as, as part of that journey then that's what that's what i want to do and that's an amazing thing i think it's a great thing that you're doing so again towards the end here let me ask you one last question what kind of things well you kind of mentioned the blocking things are there any other tips or tricks you can give to people that are watching and listening that might be able to help them overcome their addiction or stay sober Absolutely. Thank you, Jim. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think funny enough, we, 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 when we put the course together, we put this thing together called the ultimate relapse buster. And so we tried to split out. We, we, we were trying to look at, you know, if you're struggling with alcohol, there's a certain number of things that might help. If you're always going out with work and they always drink and they, people tend to drink to excess, that might mean actually that's not a sensible thing to do. It might mean going out with a different group of friends. It might mean doing something different. It might mean walking a different way home so you're not going past the pub. Or it might mean not having things in your cupboard. Because let's face it, especially using that hungry, angry, angry lonely, tired, if I'm not feeling great and I know there's a bottle of scotch in the fridge, there's a fair probability that I'm going to open the fridge and go for it. Whereas if there isn't anything in the fridge, then actually no matter how bad I feel, easier to to allow the three second. Um, for me, pornography, I'm triggered by something. I think, oh, excellent. Nobody's around. Excellent. But then I know my everything is locked down. So I, I can't actually can't actually do anything. Can't watch anything. 
which is a natural help to make me make that three second rule that bit quicker, which is there's no point anyway. So therefore, let, let's move past it. You know, if 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 it's perhaps drugs you're you're struggling with, then you know perhaps you need to lose some phone numbers out of your telephone, uh, or perhaps you need to hang around with some different people. And and by the way, I know all of this sounds to some it sounds straightforward, for others it it will sound really really difficult. I know it took me six months to put a block uh, in a number of years back. It took me six months to put put a block on my iPad, and it was the thing that always caused my downfall. Um, and it was my sponsor. Uh, another slight plug in it, having somebody, whether it's a sponsor, accountability partner, somebody who is championing your cause or your corner is really helpful. This individual for me, it was a chap called Frank, and he would every week, he'd go, Jules, he'd be texting me, Jules, have you put the block on your iPad? And I'd be like, Jules, have you put the block on your iPad? And eventually I put the block on and that was a big turning point for, for me. So, so and in, in, if it's if it's pornography, then think about whether whether it's you need to use some this technology. There's things like covenant eyes. There's probably a whole load of other ones as well. Things that give visibility of what you're searching for to perhaps a part a partner or a, probably not a partner actually, but but to um, a, a friend that can question you and go, Jules, I was looking at some of your internet history and I was just wanting to get curious about it. What's going on? Because the other thing I've noticed is it's a, a relapse doesn't necessarily happen in the moment. It kind of happened days beforehand. And it might be that we're suddenly noticing things or we're suddenly feeling like we need a drink more often or we're suddenly feeling like actually the bookies is or the, the, the gambling institution. I'm not quite sure. In the UK, we call them bookies. I don't know whether that's the same in the States, um, but, but uh, that might be you might be noticing things more frequently or whatever it might be, or perhaps you're going to the supermarket and starting to fill the trolley of stuff you know you don't really need to eat. It's trying to almost follow the breadcrumbs because I often think if, you, if you're going to relapse, make it a good relapse. And by that, hear me correctly, What by that I mean make sure you follow the breadcrumbs back, i.e., okay, so I relapsed, that's bad, but let me think about what it was and trace it back. Okay, it was that conversation. Okay, what that conversation happened. Then I did this. Okay, so I need to break that causal link. So, what because relapse does sometimes happen, but 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 make them useful for your recovery by by using the breadcrumbs to just get a sense of what it was that caused it in the first place, and try and put a block in place on that. So so for me, what whatever it is, look at it's it's trying to find the things that tend to trigger you. And trying to find as many ways as possible to not do that. For example, I, I'm not a member of a gym. Um, one of the reasons being is that in a gym, there's lots of people in not not a huge amount of clothes. And I, and I haven't been to the gym for years, actually. But at the time, it was because I found I was being triggered continually. You'd be on, I've almost fallen off treadmills numerous times looking at people that I shouldn't really be looking at. And whilst it sounds partly funny, partly sad... Uh, I realised that the gym wasn't the right place for me, so I, I've we've got a gym in the garage at home. Just uh, do you know what I mean? So it's it's trying to find what tends to trigger you, and therefore what things could you put in place to try and stop the trigger moving on to the next stage. That's great. I really appreciate that advice. So, did you have anything else that you want to throw in or add in before we start heading off here? The only thing perhaps really is is just to say that, um, well, 
firstly, I hope you found it helpful. Um, you know, if, if you do want to reach out to me, then do feel free to. Is, I've, I've got a website, www.reset-reimagine.com. Uh, and in there, you can find all the details to the 28 Day Reset Challenge. It's actually the same website, but just forward slash the reset challenge, all one word, and, and you'll, you'll find a landing page there. And I said, the reason I put that together is just because I want to help people. It's for it's a very, very small price. I do charge for it. And the, the, the reason why I do, by the way, just very quickly, is what I found is that, that where I offered it for free to start with, people who actually didn't have that sense of value attached. Um, and therefore, we, I, there is a, a minor charge to that one. Um, but but obviously, reach out if, if that's the thing that gets that, that would stop you doing this one. But I just really encourage you to explore that because I think what it, what it aims to do is to really give you a bit of a roadmap. It's based on a whole heck of research. Searched it for about two or three years uh, in the making. It's been for probably, as I say, two to three years. And it really is there to give you that kind of step-by-step -step guide, not only to bring your mind in order in terms of helping your mind be your best friend as opposed to your worst enemy, but it also goes through traditional 12-step stuff around forgiveness, around making amends, because that's, you know, we've got to get rid of that stuff if we want to be able to live a life, uh, a purpose-filled life going forwards. Um, but then as a bit of a, as a throw in, there's, there's a whole section on relationships and actually how to restore relationships. Because one thing I found, Jim, is relationships tend to suffer quite badly when we're in the, in the throes of addiction. And therefore, there's a whole section around actually how to go about restoring a relationship, how to find out why perhaps some relationships are working really well. Perhaps some are working pretty horrendously. And therefore, because ha having the right people around us, as somebody wants, I think it might be Jim Rowan said, you know, uh, if you want to see what you're going to look like in five years time or what your life will look like, look at the five people you spend the most time with. Um, and therefore, those five people, you look at it and go, happy days. I'm really pleased. I'm, I'm, I'm onto a winner. If you look at your five closest people and think, mm, they're all a bit negative, or they're all kind of encouraging me to keep doing what I know isn't helpful. And that, then that's not great. And then, the, then there's a last section, which is really around high performance habits. How to help you really start leapfrogging um, on your purpose. So it's around keep getting good control of your mind, going through the more traditional 12-step stuff, getting a sense of purpose. What will you put on this planet for? Um, and then what are the good habits that you can do on a daily basis to really help you and be that kind of step-by-step -step roadmap to to help you get a fast start to uh, to recovery. Well, again, I thank you for that. So yeah, you've got a lot of good stuff going on. You've had quite the journey. It sounds like. Yeah, I think it's. I think with I think with all of us, and I, I'd I'd encourage anyone listening to this actually is. Perhaps look at what you could do with your journey as a positive as opposed to a negative like for example jim you've used your journey and you now create this podcast i think you said at the beginning this was episode 205 which means you've got 205 people to share their story and hopefully they've all got little nuggets that really help your listeners and i absolutely honor you and applaud you for doing this jim because what this says is you've not just gone life sucks this is really bad i'm going to get clear of my addiction and then i'm going to keep quiet actually you've gone i, I want to share this i've sensed a, a sense of freedom and i want to share this i want to help other people so my challenge to anyone list this is 
how could you use your journey and your story to help other people? Because my my pretty much guarantee would be is as soon as you start helping other people, A, you'll find your recovery journey becomes that much easier. But B, life just becomes a much more fun place to be because it's lovely. You know, when people write comments on, oh, Jules, I love that vlog you just done. It was really helpful. I really, the particular thing really helped me. Do you know what? That makes me feel a million dollars. It makes me feel like I've helped somebody. And my challenge to all of you is what could you do today to help somebody based on your story and then start looking further forward? How could you use your story? And I know for some you're going, oh, but I'm in the middle of it. Oh, it's, it's horrendous. I can't see a way out. What if you what if you started looking at how how can I help people in this situation? Because you you're uniquely gifted to do that because you've been in this situation. How could you use that to help others? And then, as somebody once said, who uh, we we've been doing the the Star Life course with, they said the beauty of working in recovery is we get to have a front row seat to miracles. The first miracle is our own recovery. The second miracle is then watching recovery in others and knowing we had a little bit of a hand in that. So, Jim, I just want to honour you for starting this podcast. Keep going with this podcast because I, I'm pretty pretty sure that you have seen lots of front row seats to miracles as, as you hear the stories of people being set free from their addiction and starting to live that purpose-filled life because of listening to this. So thank you for thank you so much for having me, Jim. No problem. It's been a pleasure. And yeah, I like listening to people's stories. Like you said, you could pick out little nuggets here and there of everyone's story. And I figured what this the podcast is kind of meant to be was like a speaker meeting for everyone because some people can't make it to meetings. And like you said, a lot of us relate to each other through our stories. And so getting those stories out there and make other people know you're not alone. There's a lot of people fighting what you're fighting and we can do it together, you know. Absolutely. All right, my friend. Thank you. Sit tight. Did you have anything else you want to add in? No, as I say, if, you know, please feel free to to reach out uh, to me because you know uh, I just want to. I you know, there's things I can do to help you, um, especially. I mean, as I say, the, the specific addiction uh, is partly the challenge, but I think it's more what's the, what the underlying causes are. Uh, but as I say, Jules at reset dash reimagine.com is my email address feel free to to reach out to me on that as i said i've also given my email my, my website which is www.reset dash reimagine.com and i'd be honored to help you on your journey all right my friend now it's time for our little sales pitch for everybody watching and listening if you like what you saw and heard go below and give us a like also subscribe to see when we upload new videos you can check us out on Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Tumblr. So pretty much all social media outlets. I also suggest checking out our website, which is www.addicts-anonymous.com. There you'll find plenty of free resources as well as free literature. So that's all we have for today. I truly hope you enjoyed it. And until next time.